Welcome to the Parent Matters Podcast, where we help you navigate the ever-changing landscape of parenting and equip you with tools to confidently parent your children. I'm Susan Stutzman, and today we're continuing our series on childhood ADHD. Last week, we talked about supporting a child with ADHD and how to cultivate healthy relationships at home. Today, we're going to be exploring ways for caregivers to support their ADHD child in successful academic engagement. And to help me do that is John Case, a child therapist here at Kid Matters Counseling. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Susan. Good to be here. So we're going to talk about supporting a child with ADHD at school. But first, can you tell the listeners a little bit about why this topic is important to you? Yeah. Um, well, I work for a considerable amount of time as a school social worker. But even beyond that, I've had experiences with kids that are diagnosed with ADHD. And they're wonderful, spirited, passionate, beautiful children. But often they're just so misunderstood or... Mm-hmm. They're judged by sort of isolated, impulsive acts that f- track them. or mm-hmm. And um, sometimes they can't be successful. And, they, and um, with targeted supports and teaching them some skills, um, we find that um, they can be much more engaged with school and be successful. Um, and um, that's what brings me to talking to you today about this. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I love that you said, right, they can be more successful if we target things. Because oftentimes, um, as parents, caregivers, teachers, there can be, it can be tricky, um, because every child has individual needs. And especially a kiddo with ADHD, um, they have s- different needs. Absolutely. And it's not a one-size-fits-all if you have ADHD either. And so there can be a lot of trickiness around dealing with kids and helping them succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you're going to share a little bit about how to support them for their academic success. Because I really see this as a team Um team it's as teamwork i would say so the kid needs a team they need the at the home just mm-hmm. like we talked and they also need um support at school so let's jump in uh to supporting your child for successful academic engagement um yeah can you just just shoot off okay yeah um well first of all i really like to um initiate my work with kids with ADHD talking about strengths. Mm. Um, so often they're, you know, peppered with commands and mm-hmm. um, corrections and, you know, they can cumulatively, you know, have a kind of burdensome effect on them. So you're saying that you encourage parents to help the, their child view ADHD from a strengths perspective? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's obviously liabilities too, but um, there's certainly strengths that need to be emphasized from the outset. And um, um, when I was a school social worker, I would get a group of kids together and um, and I would look at them in the eye and say, you guys all have an amazing gift. And they were like, whoa, startled. <laughs> like, uh, me? Yeah. You're talking about me? Yeah. You know, I'm, and sure, I'm sure that's not something they hear often. Absolutely. <laughs> And um, so they're the, they're the kids that notice if someone's absent. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are aware 
if the weather changes outside the classroom window. Mm. They're the ones that notice if anything's awry in the classroom or someone left early or someone's not doing their work. Mm -hmm. These kids see everything. And um, that's maybe part of their problem, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but, but you're sharing with them that's a gift. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. So how does this look in a classroom, though? Like you say, you have this gift, then what, what's next? Right. What do you say next? So every kid is unique and individual in terms of their, the manifestation of some of these ADHD symptoms. But there's some hallmark of things like distractibility that um, are germane to all of them and mm -hmm. some impulsivity, with, especially with um, some of the... Um, externalizing kids mm -hmm. um, but um, so yeah we start with you know looking at like wow you see everything um, attention is kind of binary you know we all have this, this misconception as an adult that we can multitask and everything but neuroscience is showing us that really you're just doing one thing and then one thing at short intervals of time oh yeah and if you're trying to do two things at once you really are distracted and it's not right you're not exactly really able to give your attention. so our kiddos with ADHD often don't have that capacity to um, you know sustain focus mm, so on they, one they thing flip they're flip-flopping more okay. so we have to support them with um, some tools and strategies to be able to do that and so you explain it just like that you have this great gift and with that also comes a, a great challenge. Absolutely. We have to learn how to focus our attention and sometimes shut those things out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. And do you, um, I know you've worked in the school system a lot. So um, can you give me an example of like how n not only a parent or a caregiver could help this um a child begin to think about this not only like what you shared but also in a in a way where they can begin to utilize tools maybe in the classroom um i you know like i know kids have specific needs right um and f specific ways mm -hmm. they may need to focus depending on their development or their age and I don't want to jump the gun if you're going to talk about that, but you know that's I guess that's my next that would be my next sure. question. Sure. Um, so um, because what do you do after you know this? Right. This is me. Right. Right. I have right. This great gift, but I also have this challenge. Yeah. Yeah. How? What do I do with it? Right. To begin with, um, identifying how it really portrays itself in mm. the student or the child. Um, for example, um, we have um, a lot of kids who have ADHD that don't really get noticed, mm. um, particularly in girls. Mm. And um, they. Like the diagnosis doesn't get noticed, or they're just like. It can be both, but off. often undiagnosed too, okay. where um, they're completely distracted um, and have a really hard time following the teacher, but it's very passive. They're not the interrupters. They're not um, yelling out and being impulsive, and um, would that that be then classified as ADD? 
Um, yeah, in the old old way, yes, uh, yes. But now the now it's only ADHD, and it's right. a spectrum continuum. Absolutely okay. right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very confusing diagnostic yeah, yeah, yeah. categorization. <laughs> They're all called okay. So ADHD is your uh, that's let's just clarify for our, our listeners. Sure, you're using it as a blanket term because ADD isn't used right now. Right, right. It's a sub. It's a sub category under okay. the umbrella. Under the umbrella of ADHD. Yeah. So whether your child has hyperactivity or hypoactivity. Mm -hmm. they could be diagnosed with ADHD and then have a subcategory. Right. Okay. Okay. So then, yeah, there's the combined type, externalizing, mm -hmm. inattentive. And, yes. Yeah. So there's multiple types. So it's important to realize that and categorize that that's what that's right. what you're preparing right. here. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So um so certainly the But watch out for those ones that aren't typically right. um seen right away. Like they're not the child that's bouncing around and right. out of right. the chair. Right. We all know that yes. child, yes. but I just wanted to make sure we okay. considered all yeah. of them. And um so um getting back to what we were talking about. So the needs of the child that's you know just distracted versus the one that's externalizing, that's interrupting, mm -hmm. that blurts out, that um, can't sit in their seat, that's bouncing up and down, may have a lot more um, needs and tools and strategies that we have to be um, considering for that student. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, just as a quick kind of interjection, my, as you're saying this, like thinking about needs, right? One of the things that we talked about last week about in giving commands with children at home to have successful relationships at mm -hmm. home was talking about doing um, like one task at a time or giving one directive. So my mind goes to as a caregiver or as when you're collaborating with the school or the teacher, do you talk about um, targeting one need? at a time like focus mm -hmm. or body movement or different or do you target them all at once and can you kind of flesh that out yeah so there's could be uh, multiple levels that we're working on as you said there's the the, the, my, the parents can be working on things then there's the classroom the teacher could be doing some things and then there's strategies and tools that the students um, responsible for um, utilizing. And, um, I guess I, I yeah, yeah. No, but, and I get that. I think that one thing, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I just want to say one thing, here's an example from my personal uh -huh. life. So, um, I have two daughters and they both play the violin and often times it is, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's really fun. Um, but it's hard, it's hard and challenging. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we often do because um, they started when they were young, uh, they um, is to focus on one task at a time. So it's not um, you're going to make sure that your bow is straight and your fingers are are on the uh, tapes, sure, or the and your thumb is down and your head is up and your your knuckles are flat and your feet are flat on the floor and you know and you because you do want all of these things to work together but if you know we start with one task and then we build upon it it's that 
is how we get a better result in violin lessons. And then if there's a weak link or there's something we want to add, we're not going to necessarily hold them to the, the standard the first few times that they're practicing or adding in a new task. But then we're going to ask them to begin to integrate so it builds upon and it's, mm-hmm. we're doing all of it at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, so especially as- younger children, mm-hmm. you know, having a um, very clear target, you know, in school today, you know, we want you to, you know, work for 10 minutes, you know, give it your best effort. But what does and- best mean? I guess that's the thing. Like, do we define best? Does the teacher define best? helping them to be like your best effort focusing your best effort yes best effort focusing yeah okay. yeah doing your best work and just looking at your paper and doing that for 10 minutes and then taking a break okay and then getting a drink of water and then coming back and doing it for 10 more minutes that's an example of a strategy that um, it's called chunking or I call it five 10 10 B 10, 10, 10 minutes break, 10 minutes. Okay. Um, you know, and it's, so it's a way of talking to these kids about an insurmountable task. You know, like it's so big to do all this work and listen to the whole hour. But gosh, you can do anything for 10 minutes. Okay, I love that. Yeah, so it is kind of like what I was explaining or talking about yeah. with violin, right? It's like, it's not that we don't want to hold them to the same standard as maybe a peer that does not have the ADHD diagnosis. It's how we present it, how we aid them and help them so that they can succeed in school. Absolutely. So you just mentioned a 10 B 10. Yeah. um, And chunking. Right. So are they the same thing? Um, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, chunking just means I'm taking the aggregate and breaking it into small chunks okay. uh, for completion. And you might get a short break or maybe, you know, check off a box that you completed it. Mm-hmm. Some way of, you know, like um, re- acknowledging that you completed a big chunk of work and, and that, you know, you did it. Yeah, you know, that's huge. so short term. I mean, I don't have ADHD, and I like to do that. <laughs> Absolutely, we all have our lists. I did it! Woo! Yes. <laughs> right, right. Um, but in the classroom, obviously, uh, minimizing distractions is really important. So being, so talking to your your child, you know, like what are the things that you're doing when you're not listening or focusing? Yeah. And sometimes there's some specific. Um, ways that we can enhance their attention. So tell me, yeah, what are some of your best focus strategies for kids? Well, everybody knows this, but if you sit in the front row, <laughs> uh, just think about it. Like all the, most of the kids are behind you and you don't see them. What mm. you do see is the teacher closer and the board closer. So everybody knows this. <laughs> so, so, but guess what? There's usually not a fight for the front row. So, yeah. but um, like I, I work with some kids and they tell me, yes, I'm in the front row and it made such a change. 
Um, so that's that's good. Okay. Uh, being aware of um, you know like you sometimes classrooms have these blowers that make a lot of noise and they mm. can be distracting or being by, too close to the window, too close to the door, and noticing everybody that comes in and or being distracted a by it. A lot of it. sensory input. Yeah, buying being, while you want them to be happy and with friends, there could be a certain person that they just um, want to engage with instead of doing their work. Mm -hmm. um, so keeping in mind all of these things. Yeah. Um, so, um, so like, so, so just kind of, yeah. let me stop you there just for a second. So sensory yeah. input. So like a blower on a fan of a projector or, um, or maybe a space heater or depending on the school building, mm -hmm. right, the air conditioning or the heat, a window, a door. Right. So then that doesn't leave many spaces in the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, so there's. Okay, there are places. Them, well, how do you help them focus? You do you do you so just to kind of flesh that out, do you ask them to identify those things that are distracting them and think about ways to focus or do you actually give them a tool like saying we're going to ask the teacher and I guess this goes into like getting accommodation plans and stuff like that, but some kids, you know, we don't they don't necessarily have an accommodation plan and we'll talk about that a little later but sure but if you have some even undiagnosed adhd right um and you notice that your child and a teacher notices or you notice or you've been collaborating with the teacher that that some of these distractions mm -hmm. are too much too much sensory input how do you help your child with that like what's a strategy not not only knowing, but also like what's next. Um, well, okay. Before I jump into that, um, I just want to say that um, you know te or, teachers are um, really want to be supportive and help your child be mm -hmm. successful too. Yes. Oh, the I last agree. thing they yeah. want is the you know always being catching up with this kid or you know having all these things. So, but if you so if you would were to reach out to the teacher, they could help you pinpoint. Um, you know what some of the distracting things are, and tell you pretty without even thinking too hard. You know what's going on in the mm -hmm. classroom with with your child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and sure, they can give you some great tips. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of like do more of this and less of that. Yeah, yeah. So so I I thank you for mentioning that because I'm not trying to rag on teachers at all. I think they're wonderful. I guess I'm I'm just trying to figure out the collaboration or how we're working with them. Mm -hmm. Um and if maybe maybe I'm going to answer my own question but per, is is what you're talking about of the noticing and and I would use the word preferential seating maybe. Yes, like, yeah, that's the word. Okay, figuring out that that seating arrangement is it sometimes different than sitting in the front, or is that typically your answer? Oh, um, that's a that's a default one, but okay. um, but no, but talking to the child definitely, and they they can, you know, if they're being frank with you, you know, they they can help you understand where the problem lies in terms of the seating. No, that's that's helpful. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about. Um, reinforcers that you find to be helpful 
in focus strategies. So you mentioned about checking boxes or being able to take a break or a drink of water. Right. Are there any others that you think um, are really motivating to children? Um, well, um, it, it, every child's a little bit different. Some of them just need the, the little bit of a break, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, like we talked about with the chunking thing, but, but some others do respond to a positive reinforcement plan. Um, and, um, you know, working with parents, on you know, or, and with a teacher too, on feedback on the day, mm-hmm. you could have a, teachers often will help with giving feedback daily feedback home or weekly feedback home on say work completion or um you know amount of instructional engagement Mm -hmm. and um you know just simple little especially for younger kids just you know we all know about the smiley faces (laughs) coming home Uh and you know today and um did all of her work you know Mm -hmm. and she got a smile and you know and so if the parent can set up something at home and you would probably want to um have it something novel not something that's already in the child's arsenal that's available this is something new that you not something huge and expensive but something you pull out like on the days when they're successful Mm-hmm. And um, you get to um, have access to this toy or, or whatever it is, puzzle, book, game, um, you know, for a half hour on the days when the teacher gives you a smiley for uh, completing all your work. Um, yeah. Or, or maybe like you work with a teacher on setting a threshold of, mm-hmm. say, 80% or four out of five mm-hmm. um, times you're doing it. Um, and then, and then you, after the half hour, then you take it and put it away and you can pull it out each time that they do it. Yeah. So it stays novel. So you're not having to buy, I guess my mind went to, oh my goodness, I have to find something novel for so not every day. No, 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 that's, yeah. that's helpful. something they don't, they can go shopping with you and get it. And mm-hmm. then you say, okay, now this goes away. Until we get the good day, yeah. so it takes a lot of a lot of collaboration then with teachers and figuring things out, making sure that right. you know we are both on the same page. Yeah, can you talk to me a little bit about kids and strategies that for kids that have tactile and motor needs? Because we also, sure. I mean, like you mentioned, there's different um, presentations of ADHD, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of times we see just um, an more activity or a hyperactive yeah. well, motor. Yeah. Yeah. There's been an explosion in the last decade or more on awareness of this issue, mm-hmm. you know, that kids could have um, sensory needs or, and that tactile um, tools can assist them with g- maintaining um, attention. And um, so, um, you know, in my office, I got a huge box of of things that range from squishy toys to bendy sticks to soft things to things that with little buttons. Um, but the key is, um, do they work? Mm-hmm. Are they and not a toy but a tool? Exactly right. And um, unfortunately, a lot of well-meaning people have introduced things like this is the bane of 
school personnel, the fidget spinners, and mm -hmm. you know, which are very distracting, and I, they're pretty much banned. <laughs> but um, but you know, so the, and let's take an example of that. That would be a bad fidget because it really f makes you want to watch it twirl. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. And when you're where your eyes are looking, your brain is thinking. This is a script that we really reinforce with kids. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's based in neuroscience. There's Absolutely, this, you know the sense of like your where your attention goes. Mm -hmm. um, that's where the healing will happen, or that's where you know you'll begin to notice things and right. be able to mm -hmm. make shifts or changes. Absolutely. Um, so we try to identify a fidget for the child that it's satisfying to hold or squeeze or touch or bend. My favorite is um, I like getting those uh, Velcro the, command uh -huh. strips and putting Absolutely. it on their desk and just like being able to rub it back and forth because you can take them off really easily off the desk. Right. Like they're not, you know, but it's small enough that it doesn't have to be in a kid's pocket. They don't have to remember to have it on their desk or, to, right. you know, but it's always there with them when they're in the desk. Absolutely. They can come back and focus. Yeah. So there's all these fidget. Then there's also flexible seating, it's called. Okay. And flexible seating, really, you can go to some classrooms um, and there are sofas or you can sit on a beanbag or you can sit on a ball or a ball that's supported with a tripod. Mm -hmm. Some have backs, some don't. Mm -hmm. um, there's um, cube chairs. Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot of different um, seating options that are available nowadays rather than just the traditional chair and table or chair and desk. Yeah, and I know especially right now, um, because <clears throat> at the time that we're recording this, um, a global pandemic is going on. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> right. trickier right. for um, right. teachers to offer flexible seating. This is a hopeful podcast. But this <laughs> is a hopeful podcast. You're right. I do want to just name that um, yeah. what you said earlier about teachers wanting to see kids succeed, mm -hmm. working with parents is m the majority Absolutely. Our, our teachers, especially in elementary school. And so if there is a need and your class or your child's class doesn't offer flexible seating, I just want to say, here's a little tip, is that a lot of times like played against sports might have yoga balls with tripods mm -hmm. or Goodwill or Salvation Army, right? So you could potentially get some and clean them or, you know, mm -hmm. get them um, if you can't afford a brand new one or a few brand new ones, but go on the hunt and see if you can work with a teacher, mm -hmm. um, depending on the school district that you're in, to be able to talk about how you can get those in your kid's classroom if there aren't um, those options already available. Right. And, but often they are. Yeah, and often they so, are. You're right. But um, again, you know, it takes some work. You know, you don't want to just rush out and get some bouncy thing to sit on. Right, 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 right. Um, we but have if to. You're if uh, I'm sorry, I should, I should, I should have caveated. That. Oh no, no. I'm just saying, if you're trying different things, and maybe there's only one or two flexible seating options, if you, yeah. um, I should should have started that with. Sometimes it can be helpful to just try new things, but it can be expensive. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like to buy every single flexible seating option and try and see how you know, how it works or how it helps your child. Right. Or maybe one or two might work one week and then the next week they need something different. Right. 
And then, so also keeping um, data then on how the use of the tool or the use of the seating sure, yeah. um, is, is good, yeah. you know, and so, you know, Anne, we're going to be watching and see how you do your work this week, but we've, now that we've introduced this tool, mm-hmm. you know, and if it's not helping, then why bother? Yeah, and then you, you, know? can, you can help them talk and work through organizational habits so you can even help them organize right. is this helping you is right. this working right organizing their not only like their selves mm-hmm. right like let's organize how we get to school how we make sure that we are comfortable we're using the tools etc but on the flip side like it takes organization for a parent and for a teacher to be able to offer these things but our children who have ADHD often struggle with organizational skills themselves, so they need a lot of reminders and, and things are lost or they forget that they're doing the bounce, they're sitting on the tripod ball this week. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right, so right. So how do you help with kiddos, especially with the organiza- organizational needs um, that come along with so many um, children and their ADHD diagnoses? Yeah, before I just jump into that, I want to just also emphasize that, you know, by having this check-in and talking about to your child about, um, you know, these tools and things, you're, you know, you're fostering um, their sense of autonomy, too, mm-hmm. and they're, they're engaged in the plan. It's not just being done to them by the teacher or the parent. Today you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. They're working with you, and you're listening to their feedback on the use mm-hmm. of these tools, and um, and they can and that can be motivating, and that, and sometimes that's a really big piece too, the motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting to organization. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so getting to organization, that is obviously the downfall of a lot of kids. Um, how many times as a parent does your heart sink when you got that note from the teacher saying? Um, um, Anne didn't turn in her homework. Sorry mm-hmm. to pick on Anne today. <laughs> Anne didn't turn in her homework, and then you find it crumpled up mm. in her backpack um, at the bottom somewhere, and, yeah, and no I, one knew it was there. Yeah, and and it's and I will say even you know for like you get that note, the parents just like ugh, you know like right. okay, and then it's sometimes it can be difficult to to just like pull up okay let's work on problem solving you know like what's something that worked when you know or when have you been able to turn the homework in and when you know what was different about that today and how can we work to do Mm -hmm. that but um you know do you have any tips on how to help kids with yeah well organizing themselves well certainly um you know depends on their age a lot Mm -hmm. um but 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 two tips um to keep in mind are you know making things very visual and very routine mm-hmm. um, so on the visual side um, writing things down having schedules using colors um, can really reinforce you know a pattern of things that the child can lock in and it makes it much easier to remember the routine is so important um, Putting thing, you know, this is the time when we work on this, and then we put it back into the right folder, and we put that folder in your backpack. We do it that night. We don't wait till the next morning when you're not focused on your work and you're focused on whatever's going on when you wake up 
and all that it takes to get to school because then you're not really going to be in tune with did I put this in the right place, et cetera. Um, oh my goodness, yes. And that feels kind of incriminating to me as a parent. But I just want to name that, uh, you know, it's a, always a work in progress, regardless of if you have ADHD kids or not with organization absolutely. and figuring out what works, but not just, you know, being willy nilly. So, because it also is a way to help your children learn organization if you're organized too. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be rigid about everything, but helping them to know when we do homework, when we do practice when we are eating dinner when we're right and even if it there's we need a little wiggle room or if there's you know we can have margin because things are going to change there's going to be <laughs> <laughs> things that come up right um if we are working towards organizing that for them then it becomes much more predictable and stable mm -hmm. and then you get better results so it totally works together. And right. I know I'm just repeating what you said last week, but oh no, I, no. light bulbs are like going Yeah, on. yeah. So, ex so then, um, and then one thing you brought up last week that really is germane to this too, is being realistic too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, don't expect your child with ADHD to be able to knock out not only all today's work plus this and that and go to soccer and you know, and have, you know, um, you know, make a reasonable schedule. They mm -hmm. need downtime. Have no mar right, have no margin or have no downtime. Absolutely. And then expect them to be thriving and be at the top of their class. Right, absolutely. And have the perfect relationship and yes. wonderful success yeah. in school. Great intentions, wonderful thoughts, but, you know, can't do everything, especially yeah. on a school night. Yes. Oh, just another yeah. tip on here, too, is sometimes little things can trip up kids with ADHD, like, oh, you didn't bring home the book, or, oh, you don't have that handout. Mm -hmm. um, so whenever possible, have extra supplies, you know, like sometimes it's the school, you know, you can have that extra book, so if they forget it, you're not dead in the water. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, find out if, is this online at school, um, you know. Yeah. So if you're staying abreast of what's going on with your child's um, school and how materials are being delivered, um, you know, you can help access them. Many parents, you know, especially don't, you know, kind of understand, especially as they get older, you know, how to access some of these things, then they don't have the resources when things happen like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good. I just was, you know, kind of getting a deer in the headlights look because <laughs> over here, because I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness, it, it's, it's a full-time job for parents. It could be very overwhelming, with, like right, we talked with about. Keeping their children organized, keeping, you know, keeping an extra set of things, making sure different things are happening. Um, but I know that in regards to school and schooling, um, there are uh, different ways to get um, your child additional helps. And so I want to talk about 504 plans and IEPs um, before we go. But um, before we do that, let's pause just for a quick break. Okay. Because okay? I want to tell our listeners about a free resource that we have and it can be really helpful for parents with ADHD because sometimes um, with so much work, so many different things, strategies, it's, we have a hard time um, making time to play. So um, 
uh, this podcast is brought to us by um, the Five Day Parent Challenge. Many parents and caregivers struggle to feel connected to their children. We're so busy with school and work, and we often forget to take time to just connect and have fun with our kiddos. That's why we've put together a free five-day parent challenge where I, Susan Stutzman, will send you five emails, each with a high-impact, easy-to-do activity that you can do in five minutes or less to create that meaningful connection. Just go to our website to find it, kidmatterscounseling.com backslash challenge, and download the free five-day parent challenge today. They grow up so fast, so don't wait. We guarantee big smiles, laughter, and connection. Just go to kidmatterscounseling.com backslash challenge. Sounds like fun. Yes, yes, I, I think it is. Okay, so also I just want to note a little disclaimer that the topics discussed on this podcast and in this podcast should be considered a matter of personal opinion. They don't reflect professional advice. If you or your child is in need of mental health counseling support, please, please, please search out a licensed counselor in your area. Okay, John. Yes. We're going we're gonna to talk last in this yeah. Um, podcast on supporting our child with ADHD and successful academic engagement on 504 plans. How do you get them? Yeah, yeah. So what if do you do with them, how do you sure. continue to advocate? Right. And that's the key, advocating. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you find that despite introducing, you know, a couple of the strategies and tools um, we discussed, that you're not seeing the growth or stimulating the focus or getting a successful result, it may be time to start thinking about a 504 plan, um, which is um, an accommodation plan based on a medical diagnosis. So in this case, if you have the diagnosis of ADHD and it can document that for the school. And you can, and, and just for our listeners, um, it's a document that you have to get through a neuropsych evaluation, not through just a doctor saying this kid has ADHD. Uh, no, pediatrician. no, a doctor can also oh. furnish that. Yeah, oh, pediatrician can. yeah, yeah. Okay. it doesn't have to be. Yeah, that's a misconception is oh, that okay. you have to have a thorough, expensive evaluation. Oh, I'm glad I asked. Okay, so yeah. you in your years and years of experience as a social worker working with kids with ADHD, you just so I'm getting this correctly, Mm -hmm. you've found that, uh, especially like schools that you've worked at, elementary schools, as long as you have a diagnosis from a pediatrician. For a medical professional. a medical professional. So even a counselor or a social worker? I think so. They can can apply for a 504? Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to get a full neuropsych workup. What you have to do is you have to contact your school district in writing and request request it. A 504. Um, A 504. So maybe just a little background here. Um, So a 504 is an accommodation plan. It lists different things like we talked about, preferential seating, um, the ability maybe to take breaks, uh, to have alternative settings for test taking, to avoid distractions, to um, take breaks. I don't know if I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, other things like that. Um, so the good, the 
the good part about having this is then, you know, it's being kept tracked and the teacher is responsible for implementing the, okay. the 504 and they have a copy of it and they're, they get it. It's a, it becomes like a little handbook for your child, okay. you know, on what works and what some how to fulfill some of the learning needs and sometimes some of you know just as i'm thinking about this one of the things as a counselor that i often do is if the if the parent has advocated for a 504 i've often asked for a copy so we can talk about how to also advocate a child can advocate for those if they need them because sometimes um you know again i i love and respect teachers um but we can't, no one, no teacher, no parent can see every need at all, at all times. Sure. So helping a, a child to, mm-hmm. again, have autonomy and say, I need that 5B5 or 10B10, right? Right, 10B10, you got it. <laughs> okay, so. For younger no, kids, it could be a 5B5. Okay, okay, yeah, no, that's helpful. Um, okay, so 504 is a, what's the, di- can you just kind of flesh sure. out, what's the difference between 504 and an IEP? Yeah, so an IEP is um, IEP stands for individual. for individual individual education plan, mm-hmm. and it's part of it's part of the special education process. Okay, so it's much more intense. The IEP um, is the IEP, okay. um, and it requires um, first of all you would have to ask request it from your school district, mm-hmm. um, and then they would have to accept it or reject your request. And then what, if they accept it, then they would do an evaluation. So a neuropsych so, evaluation or just? A, um, a multi, M, multidisciplinary evaluation at school. Okay. okay. So, it would, you know, and, and then the, you would sit down with the school team and go over what components of that you would want to address in this evaluation. So no evaluation is the same. You custom determine the scope of that evaluation with the school team. Okay, because, yeah, because um, kids with ADHD can also have co-occurring diagnoses, like speech needs or OT needs or, um, you know, reading helps or what have you. Learning disabilities. Learning disabilities, right. Um, Not saying that they do, but that's where it would be addressed in an IEP versus a 504 is just accommodations, like the flexible seating or the 10B10. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and the... 504 is where you don't need that full evaluation. Right, right. Typically. Most, for most kids with ADHD, a 504 is sufficient. Okay. Um, you know, there are some, you know, where maybe, like you say, it's a little bit more mm-hmm. going on. Um, or the, the level of the ADHD is so intense. Yeah. You know, that more supports, classroom supports could be needed. And in that case, an IEP, you know, would be indicated. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, you have to request from the school, and request an evaluation, and then the evaluation occurs, and then, and then that suggests, you know, different areas of needs, and then the parent has to consent to those before they can be implemented. Sure, sure, yeah. And I know sometimes it can be also really tricky for a parent to know where to start. So there are educational 
um, they're people that are actually educational advocates that right. sell their time or sell their right. expertise to be able to help you navigate yeah. this process. It's not right. something that we do at Kid Matters, but sure. But you know, again, there's a little bit of misconception about that too, because if you just reach out to your school district, I would say most of the time they're more than happy to help you and walk you through um, what you need. You don't have to pay for you know an outside person advocate. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's a really helpful thing to address because, um, you know, sometimes parents are intimidated because they don't necessarily know what right. they can have. And then, right. you know, we yeah. are bombarded all the time with, um, well, this could help you or this could, you know, make the process easier or this yeah. and that. But if you don't really need it or, you know, it's right. The, the school has well. a shared interest in helping your child be successful too. No, that's helpful. Well, John, Wow. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you want to get in touch with John, ask him any more questions, please um, visit our website, kidmatterscounseling.com and look under therapists profiles and um, you can email him, jonathan at kidmatterscounseling.com. You can always um, just email us directly at kidmatters um, intake or front desk at kidmatterscounseling.com to ask your questions, look for resources. We have a ton of resources and parent podcasts and blogs um, on different topics. This has been so enlightening. And I just want to say thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about how to help parents and caregivers really help their children succeed at school. Yeah, I hope it was helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, all right, folks, thanks for listening. If you found this conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast. And please join me again next time for the Parent Matters podcast. And remember, don't parent alone.